Exploring what can be done to help with pain and health challenges. This is Life Shouldn't Hurt with Grand Fedoric from Leading Edge Physiotherapy on 630 Ched. Welcome to Life Shouldn't Hurt. I'm your host, Grant Fedoric, and for the next 30 minutes, I have the privilege of listening to and sharing some amazing, very real-life stories about lifestyle, health, and well-being with all of you amazing people. And uh, before we came on air, had an opportunity to do a, a sound check, and I can't do your name as well as you can do your name, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Marie-Josée Dupuis-Arsenault, and I was born here in Edmonton. I, uh, I, there, I'm not even going to try to do that. I wouldn't be able to do it justice. And, uh, but I'm going to call, is it okay if I call you MJ? Absolutely. All right. For this show, we're going to know, if, if, if you'd like, throw your own name in there anytime, but I won't be able to do it as well as you did it. Um, I get a chance to talk to you one-on-one about your life in dance. So those of you who are listening, if you're a dancer, if you have kids or family who dance, listen up because it's uh, challenging on the body. Why don't you tell us how you got started? So I was one of those perpetual motion kids who couldn't sit still. And we tried different things, soccer one year, musical theater one year, and I finally settled on ballet mainly. And over the years, I increased what I was doing to different forms of dance, including modern and jazz and tap and some traditional French-Canadian, because that's my background. And I uh, loved the ballet the most. It was a really, really good challenge. Um, and it kept me moving, which was great. What drew you to ballet, do you think? Yeah, so with ballet specifically, I loved the challenge of always being better than yourself or making yourself better each day. So it was very much about introspection and perfecting the art. And of course, there's people in the classes with you that you had to compete against to a certain extent, but really you were responsible to make yourself better all the time. What did training look like? So how old were you, first of all, Um, when you started? Good question. I started probably when I was five and did other things Every few years, I change. Yeah, but seriously, started when I was about thirteen, and so we we started some training where it was a couple hours a week, and it increased to by the time I was fourteen, I was dancing twenty one hours a week in various styles, but mostly ballet, and started up with point work eventually, and went on from there. Um, this the actual training is grueling. You're dancing three to five hours a day um, in between your schoolwork and having to do schoolwork later in the evening to catch up. Um, but it was really fun because you got to challenge yourself every day. What does training exactly look like? I'm not a dancer. Lots of people who are dancers, they'll get it. Mm-hmm. But is it, are you just dancing or are you practicing? I played hockey, right? I went and did drills. Is that what dance practice looks like? Yeah. So it depends what medium you're doing. So what style, but um, ballet specifically, you'll do about half an hour of bar to start, which is where you've got this thing tied to the wall and you have to hold on to it and work on your technique mainly. And then you get to center, which is more expression and movement. Um, and you do some jumping movements, you do some kicking movements, you do some arm movements. Um, and uh, usually in front of a mirror, which is your love-hate relationship with mirrors, start there to make sure that you're actually able to do things properly. Um, but then you're always critiquing yourself. So it becomes 
very challenging on the mind as well. Is that a warm-up? So you're describing what a warm-up would be I'm for dance? I'm describing the whole class. You oh. start warming up at the bar for okay. about half an hour, and then you move on to the center, and you do about half oh. an hour to an hour The center is center the center work. of the, of the studio room. or yeah, whatever. Okay, I, I, I Four walls, centering studio. yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, again, forgive my, That's all right. my learning, but I, and so, so that whole process takes four or five hours. So that's one class, which is one hour, 10 hour and a half. And you'll okay. have multiple classes each day in different styles. Some classes will be more of a choreography class where you're learning choreography and going through dances and running dances um, versus a technique class or a syllabus class where you're learning your techniques or your exam syllabus to move on in your exams. Uh, well, we're talking with MJ and we're talking dance and specifically her journey from childhood through dance, um, just learning what it's like to uh, experience and to to be a part of a, the training. But I, I assume those are consecutive. She was describing one-hour classes, one to one and a half hours, up to five hours, and they just go one after another. Yes, correct. So you're at five hours. Now, what do you do to look after yourself through this period of time? Um, you'll do other activities like running or you'll do some yoga on the side. Most of us are students at that at those ages, so you're doing a lot of studying as well, lots of sitting, studying in class. Um, but uh, other than that, it's, it's mainly dance. Oh, okay. Now, what happens when I, I assume things can go wrong? Yes, definitely. Many of us do get injuries. Probably the most common um, injuries for young dancers, of course, is in their kneecaps as they're growing. They'll get chondromalacia patella or other forms of knee injuries. Um, sometimes their ankles. Um, when you get older, the men especially get knee injuries from a lot of the heavier jumps that they do, the bigger jumps they do, and the lifting if they're doing partner work. Uh, where you traditionally males will lift the females um, in more contemporary pieces is quite fun. You get to see a bit of mix there. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, from the lifting, so shoulder injuries, knee injuries, back injuries are common in males. Um, females, it's more hips and backs. Um, and then feet, of course, from the point work, your feet get just mangled. And how about you? Mm-hmm. My common injury actually was a hip injury, which came about from being a foolish teenager who went snowboarding at the time and oh, fell. So it wasn't even from it dance. It wasn't even from dance. <laughs> no. So my original injury was a snowboarding injury, um, which I did not treat properly and did not give time to rest. I landed on my tailbone and my hip. And it was very sore and I didn't take a break. I went straight to dance the next day and was hobbling and did not actually let it rest, was quite injured. Um, and it took me f close to two and a half years to fully resolve. And it took me de declining or decreasing my training in order to actually get to that point uh, because I was your typical dancer at that time or sports enthusiast at that time where you're training a lot, you refuse to take it slow. You refuse to give it time to break. So I'm guessing you have some advice for dancers out there. <laughs> or any sports <laughs> medium out there. Uh, yes, don't be like me and don't keep playing or, or practicing when you're injured. Give it the time to rest. And uh, did you get help during that time when you were going through that process with your hip or? Did yes. you tackle it yourself? No, I did. I, I tried tackling myself for the first few weeks and I was getting worse. And so I was very fortunate. I got to meet a wonderful physiotherapist who still practices and who I have the privilege to practice with now, which makes me very happy. And uh, he worked with me for um, 
two two full years, basically. Um, and he probably cursed me every day because I would come back with no improvements because he would just make me better enough to continue training and killing myself in terms of my uh, hip. Poor guy. But uh, yeah, I was very grateful to that, to him and to the expertise he gave me. So that's the training. Can you describe mm-hmm. the dance, the actual... So you're, you're at some point performing as well. And uh, mm-hmm. for those listening, how do you get through... Uh, yes, you're training and you're uncomfortable, but now it comes time to perform. Were you, were you, did you do anything different in order to perform or did you just make it work? You mostly make it work when you're injured. Um, you, and the interesting thing, most, many times when you're injured, you're often injured to more of a chronic level where you can tough through. Um, once adrenaline kicks in, you're on stage. Um, you don't really feel it in the moment. Um, of course, later you are dying afterwards. You're quite sore. But uh, for most performances, yeah, you just make it work and you pretend to smile through it and uh, you, you don't let it show. And how about your friends at dance? Were they going through the similar challenges? Yeah, pretty much everyone had some form of injury. Um, many of them were just, as I described, more that chronic knee or a chronic ankle injury. Uh, we, t- we tend to twist our ankles quite easily in dance as well. So there's lots of chronic ankle injuries. Um, and yeah, you make it work. You use tape. You use um, certain devices sometimes, mostly tape because you're not allowed braces on stage usually, uh, to cover and to help you. Um, support whatever the injured joint is. I think we have an opportunity to get into more specifically the injuries that dancers face and how they can recover and things that they can do to give them the best chance. But I think we need to take a break. We'll be right back after the break with MJ. We're talking about dance and dance injuries right here on the Chorus Radio Network. Exploring what can be done to help with pain and health challenges. This is Life Shouldn't Hurt with Grand Fedoric from Leading Edge Physiotherapy on 630 Ched. Thanks for joining us today on Life Shouldn't Hurt. I'm your friendly neighborhood physiotherapist from Leading Edge Physiotherapy. And remember, you too can share ideas for stories or your stories and feedback with me on Twitter at Leading Edge PT. Today, we've been talking to... I'm not going to say it, MJ. I need you to say it because you say it so well. My name is Marie-Josée Dupierre-Senot. Thanks now, for having me, Grant. It's it's my my privilege. Uh, now, why don't you tell us about where did you go to school? You, you've got such a French background. I know we're talking dance, but uh, you went to school here in the city. Yeah, I did. I went to school here in the city. I trained mostly at the Edmonton School of Ballet um, and then was injured. So, of course, eventually stopped to continue to train and went on to teach instead. So did the injury itself lead you to end your career in dance? Yes, to a certain extent, as I found that I could not stay ahead of it well enough without reducing my training. I realized that an actual career in the medium I wished for, which was ballet, uh, would no longer really be a feasible career option. And so I re-examined my motives and what I'd like to do in life and had, as I'd mentioned earlier, had met a wonderful physiotherapist who really inspired me. I found if I couldn't keep my body in motion to the degree I wanted, maybe I could help others to keep their body in motion. And I thought maybe physiotherapy would be a fun path. So I changed career options and went to school at the OVA and then at Queen's University. Was your dream originally to be a dancer, like a professional dancer? Is that the track you were going? Is that your, you wanted to do that? 
pretty close. I mean, typical, I wanted to be a firefighter first, and then I wanted to be an equestrian, but that's, you know, the five-year-old dream. And okay. then when I got more into dance, I found I really loved it. So probably around the age of 10, 11, I started to seriously consider that as my career option and started training towards it. And that's where the hours start to build up. What's mm-hmm. the typical career path for a ballet dancer? Is it is it that many hours or is it even more? As even the, more as okay. you increase, yes. Like what would somebody be looking at? I would love to know if when you see that that person up on stage, they're a professional ballet dancer, What what's kind of the commitment for that kind of a person? So anyone who wants to become a professional dancer generally will have to start between the ages of 5 and 10. There are exceptions there. Um, some come in later and they do fine. Um, but generally it's 5 to 10 and you start training more and more as you grow. Um, from 13 on, you're, you're typically training 5 to 7 days a week um, between 3 to 5 hours a day generally. And then you'll often get into one of the major ballet schools in the country. There's a few. What, what um, are they? So uh, there's I don't a few know. In, in Vancouver mainly. You've got uh, um, UBC, or not UBC, sorry, uh, Ballet BC. You have, uh, at, you've, at, in um, Calgary, you have Dance Alt. Oh my gosh, I can't say their name. Alberta Ballet, there we go. And then you have uh, the Royal Winnipeg in Winnipeg and you have the National Ballet in Toronto. Um, And those are the main ones. There's a lot of smaller ones, but those are the big ones in the country mainly. Is is there an equivalent to Juilliard or that that kind of thing in Canada? Not as much because there's no... There's a few university programs who do have dance programs, but they're not so much ballet focused. They're a little bit more contemporary focused. Ryerson University, for example, in Toronto is one. Um, There's tons more. Um, Almost every major university does have a dance component to it if you chose to take that, but not the level of Juilliard mainly. You mostly will go into a ballet uh, focus or you'll you'll train and then you'll go into cruise ships or you'll go to LA and start to do some apprenticeships and start teaching and get into the dance world that way if you want more contemporary and jazz. Okay somebody who did you go to did any of the people you trained with go on to professional ballet as a career i had a few who did go on um some of my year some just before and some below um and again most were out to toronto or to winnipeg and uh trained beautifully and the last one is still dancing most are retired now okay that's what i was gonna ask and and are they still dancing yeah a girl who was a couple years below me um did beautifully she's still dancing she's wonderful to watch Uh, but most of my contemporaries have now retired this year okay now you described the training and the uh, the intensity of it, and I think anybody who takes something that serious, whatever sport, tennis, mm-hmm. uh, basketball, it doesn't matter, hockey, the intensity is severe. It, it's significant, and at a young age, but that comes with consequences. Uh, you described, and I, I'd love to get into. Uh, we're, we're we're talking with MJ, uh, a physiotherapist at Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Uh, she says her name way better, so I'm going to stick with MJ. Uh, nonetheless. We're talking about injuries now that have that are common amongst dancers, and one of the ones you described to me uh, was dislocating patella. The kneecap can dislocate. That's one of the more common ones that you saw, or your friends, or you dealt with. Some of my friends had um, a dislocating patella, subluxing patella, and one did require surgery, um, which of course then meant she did not end up. Cr- um, using dance as a career, she changed her focus because the injury was very difficult to overcome for her and the retraining um, inherent was just too demanding, too many hours to regain what she'd lost by that time. So, And for those, yeah, and for those listening, your kneecap yeah. tracks along the kind of your long bone of your thigh 
and right right between the the next bone of your shin. And unfortunately, even if it's a little out of kilter, even a little bit, a few millimeters, it can cause a great deal of pain. It kind of wears away against the bone and forms little micro fractures of the cartilage on the underside. We call that chondromalacia or patellofemoral syndrome. But in some instances, it actually subluxes. It can, it can actually move too far beyond it where it's supposed to go. And once that starts happening, it, it typically continues and continues over and over. Rehab not necessarily um, totally successful, can be successful, mm-hmm. but for a dancer, I could imagine that'd be so difficult because of the challenges and the, and probably the flexibility, mm-hmm. the, the fact that is it, it, the, the way that your body needs to be able to move is very uh, specific. specific and yeah. flexible. Am yeah. I not right? Yes. And I was training more so in years where um, the dancers, the trend was very, very thin. And so you had very flexible dancers who didn't have a lot of strength. And the strength was a challenge to get. Um, I have to admit, most recently watching dancers now, many of them are way stronger than we ever were. They're really focusing more on the strength and the the total body strength versus just the flexibility, which is really great to see that shift. Um, so and do you they think are, training has changed? Yes, yes they're encouraging more um, multidisciplinary training within reason because some things you can't if you're doing too much work in parallel, you're not working in your turnout as much. And turning okay. out, which means the feet going to the side, the typical ballet sumo pose you get, um, yeah. is not at all uh, normal for the for a human body generally. I can't do it. No. And to me, hanging out at the bar is different than my you bar working at the bar. <laughs> yeah, very different. Yeah. Yeah. MJ told that joke off air. It had to come back at some point because uh, I was still trying to figure out what working toward the center meant I was trying to find my my center and it's different than being in the center of the room yes now MJ described for me what uh, you're are you teaching still I am unfortunately no longer teaching but I did teach for close to 10 years after I had stopped my my personal training um, and absolutely loved it it was a phenomenal way to stay connected in the dance world and to continue to give back and share my love of the movement. And uh, I've been very appreciative of being able to be part of that. And today you're a physiotherapist. So mm-hmm. now you've got the best of both worlds. You've been through it as a dancer, a competitive dancer, but now you've got the knowledge of being a physiotherapist. What advice have you got for parents and kids out there that are looking to be competitive dancers? Mm-hmm. So definitely start small, find something you love, and then roll with it. But definitely talk to the teachers, talk about concerns about mental health, because there's tons of stress for the dancers, especially if they're considering leaving for a program away from home at the age of 12. That's very stressful for the kid, as well as for the families. Um, but also talk to the yeah talk to the teachers, get a team with you to make sure the child is growing properly, their bones are doing well, their muscles are doing well, so that they're able to actually make a career out of it and not have to suffer with repetitive injuries. I think that's great advice. Uh, do you think that it's valuable for them to have as part of their team a physio and and dietitian? Is that all part of it? Depending on the child's needs, absolutely, yes. Yes, there can be multidisciplinary teams involved to help with these kids and uh, help them grow. MJ, it's been uh, just a pleasure of mine to learn more about dance and as particularly around ballet. I am much smarter today and I think what you bring to the community in that area and the, and the patients that 
you know, grace your table when they've had a dancing injury or so much better off for it because of your experience. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's been all my pleasure here on Life Shouldn't Hurt on the Chorus Radio Network. We're here to make a difference, inspire, educate, share stories like MJ's, a chance to leave our communities healthy and vibrant. And you're all an important part of this journey. So help us out. Don't forget to share our show with people you care about. Available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. You can also check out our helpful tips on common injuries, like dance injuries, and recovery on our YouTube channel, all called Life Shouldn't Hurt. Until next week, everyone, I'm Grant Fedoric. Thank you so much, MJ, for your time. I appreciate everybody's time and trust. Be well.